Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 7, Episode 6 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is Regarding Eric, or if you are in Germany, the title is The Merciful Sister. Our IMDb user synopsis is, Eric is recovering from surgery at home and starting to get restless. Annie tells everyone in the family to talk to Eric about their problems so he will feel useful. Lucy's friend Paul asks her to convince his parents to let him travel. So... Not his parents. What was your first impression <laughs> of this episode? Um, I don't really have one. Um, it's like... I think this is probably the first time this season I felt like uh, this is a normal 7th Heaven episode. I don't know, I felt like the last few episodes, maybe it's because they dealt with, like, oh, like storylines that like went through uh, like two three four episodes or whatever um it didn't really feel like normal seventh heaven but this really did with almost every single character having their own storylines and having their own issues and kind of like the bumblingness of the rev and like annie trying to control everything in the background you know i think ruthie meddling and right ruining everyone's lives i think this was very like par for the course seventh heaven episode um doesn't mean that i liked it but it wasn't what it wasn't what we've gotten so far from seven from from season seven. This yeah, season seven has generally not been that great so far. Um, so which is surprising because it seems to be like consecutively some of the highest rated uh, episodes. Like season seven seems to be right. Like I definitely remember watching these when they they aired originally. So. Every single time I look up information on an episode, there's, like, this was rated, like, with this many viewers. This was rated with this many viewers, which uh, they only mention when it's, like, doing pretty well. So Yeah. So, anyway, let's uh, jump into the cold open. So, um, Annie has, uh, Annie's, like, addressing everyone at breakfast, minus the Rev. Um, so, at breakfast, we obviously have the Camden kids, Ruthie, Simon, and Lucy, and we also have the presence of Robbie, Kevin, and Ben, for some reason, is still there. Uh, basically, Eric, sorry, Eric, <laughs> the, the Rev, Rev. Um, is recovering from his heart surgery, and recovery means that he's not allowed to go back to work. And so Annie tells the kids to make him feel needed so he doesn't feel bad about not being able to go to work. Right. So... Um, they all say that they don't need any help. And then Ruthie lays down some realness and tells everybody, like she tells Kevin that he needs help with Roxanne, but so does like Roxanne and Lucy's relationship and that Robbie needs help with Roxanne, like to date her or something. And Simon needs help with Cecilia and Lucy needs help with something her jealousy her jealousy issues Ben needs help with whatever he's hiding from Kevin needs help with like why is Ben still here um you know Ruthie as you said spitting some home truths um this is also when this is still the cold open right or is this the end of the cold open the end of the cold open is kind of after everybody like Ruthie lays down everybody's problems and then it kind of just cuts there so um yeah I guess we'll just address what the Rev... No, I guess the Rev's involved in everybody's storyline, so we can start with Simon and Cecilia? Yeah, sure. Uh, So, as we said, Simon, in the last episode, kind of alluded to the fact that he wanted to go out with Cecilia, or he was having, like, these mixed feelings about Cecilia. So, um, 
Ruthie kind of meddles and tells the Rev that, oh, everybody needs your help, but they're not going to ask you. So she's like, here, you should, you know, get in touch to help Simon with Cecilia. So the Rev calls Cecilia and invites her over. So um, after after confronting Simon, um, he does this, and Simon made it clear that he didn't want to talk about Cecilia. And then the next thing you have is a knock at his door, and it is Cecilia at his bedroom door. Um, and he's like, no, I don't want to talk, like, don't want to talk to you. And Cecilia will not leave because the Rev apparently told Cecilia that Simon had something very important to tell her. So she won't leave until she finds out what the very important thing that Simon needs to say is. We then have a chunk of, like, the massive chunk of this episode is Simon going around and yelling, not yelling, but, like, yeah, Just basically yelling. yelling at everyone, and he's like, Cecilia is in my room. And not talking to Cecilia. So he, like, tells Robbie, he tells Kevin, that he, like, yells at the Rev for not, for, like, doing this. And the Rev's like, well, I did it because Ruthie said it. And then he's yelling at Ruthie to stop meddling. And then he sits in his room and is quiet while, like, he sits on the floor, and Cecilia sits on the bed, and apparently they've been sitting like that for hours because... Like, he's staying quiet, and Cecilia won't leave until she's told whatever she needs to hear. And Cecilia decides to do some detective work, and she's like, oh, the reason that you are... Like, the thing you want to tell me is that you want me and you to be friends. We started out our friendship or relationship or whatever with me hiring you to be my fake date, to make my boyfriend jealous, and that worked. And now you want to be my friend, but you don't know how. And, uh, like... Some for some reason, Mark the football player comes up, and what we have is that Cecilia is misinterpreting the situation, and Simon needs to keep his mouth shut about what he really feels because now, like Cecilia said, like fe- like thinks something, and he can't like change her. I don't know, but what we what like the conclusion of this is. Cecilia is dating someone that isn't Simon. Simon, someone who plays football. Named Mark, and Simon is in love with Cecilia, but now Cecilia has made Simon her best friend, and so now, like, Simon is stuck seeing her and being with her every day, so he can't do, like, out of sight, out of mind, and he's gonna be tortured about love for the rest of his life. Yeah. That's what I got from that. Also, this new thing in season seven, Simon is always sitting on his bed with a guitar. He apparently has taken up guitar and that's all I have to say is that this came out of nowhere uh so next we kind of have um Ben and Kevin dealing with their respective issues or whatever like Ruthie has identified their issues to be and um which is each other yeah so we know that Ben makes it known that he's not leaving um right away from the opening breakfast scene, we get the idea that Ben was supposed to leave that day and he is not returning home to Buffalo now for um, an undisclosed period of time. So everyone's like, oh, Ben is hiding from something in Buffalo. It's either his family or his his new old girlfriend. Um, so Kevin is trying to get to the bottom of what Ben is hiding. And I just want to talk about the logistics of his stay in Glen Oak. He left initially, obviously, because 
the Rev was in the hospital. And then he called his chief and asked for an extended leave to help the Rev since he left the hospital. Now, my question is, what are you saying to your, like, to your firefighter chief about, like, what kind of relationship you have with the Rev? Like, there is no... Like, Ben is so far removed from it. Like, what? how can you use that as an excuse to, like, leave work for an extended period of time? I don't... I don't know, man. <laughs> um, and Kevin, because he's like, that, like, you... Why are you here? And if you won't tell me why you're here, you can't stay here. Like, says you, like, basically kicks Ben out. Ben's like, oh, the reason I'm here is because I miss you, which is BS. Whoever misses Kevin. But, like... Ben ends up tr- Ben ends up like talking to the rev and the rev says you are welcome to stay on in the house for as long as you want and so Ben is like I'm staying and I'm sleeping on the couch which Kevin doesn't really like and Kevin kind of confronts the rev he's like I know you were trying to help but you don't understand Ben's here because he's running away from something he's hiding from something and it's not good for you to like enable his uh, tendencies he needs to like grow up and the rabbi's like, I was just trying to help, which is a phrase that's repeated, like, repeatedly. By everyone, yeah. yeah. Um, so we finally learn what Ben is hiding from, and it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. We learn that when the last time that Ben was in Buffalo, he was at his mother's house, ha- like, his mother's house with his girlfriend, and she, like, caught them having sex, we're led to believe, and then he ran away. Yeah, that's that's it. So he still hasn't moved out of his parent, like his mom's house. He lives with his mother, and uh, this is like the whole thing where Kevin's like, "You need to move out, and you need to like go back. Like, I'm sure you miss your girlfriend, and your girlfriend misses you, and you can't just run away." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Ben leaves, and that's it. Right. They've fixed their problems without any help from anyone else except each other. Beautiful. Um, That's what brothers are for. Yeah. Anyway, um, so moving on further to sort of related to Kevin is Roxanne's storyline. Um, so in the beginning of the, uh, during the cold open, we learned that Robbie's supposed, you know, problem or whatever is Roxanne. Now they made out once and that was it. And then we never, they went on one date and then. We haven't heard him talk about her since, or... Um, and she moved on to Ben for a hot second, but yeah, that didn't turn into anything. She seemed like she was moving on. Uh, but anyway, this is the Robbie's cross to bear. Um, I don't know. So first... He talks to Lucy. Right. And then... Lucy's And like, then Kevin calls... Well, I want to talk about this conversation with Lucy for a second. Okay. So... Lucy's problem is that, first of all, she's like, oh, she's blonde and she's gorgeous and her clothes are too tight and she rides in a car with my soon-to-be fiancé all day. And so I don't trust her and I don't like her. But my thing is, like, wouldn't you want her to then date Robbie so then she, like, take, like, if you think that she has her eyes set on your soon-to-be fiancé, wouldn't you want her preoccupied with a different person? Like, why is she against the idea of her being with Robbie? She's like, I don't want that girl anywhere around my house or whatever, or my family. I'm just like, but, like, if she's with Robbie, she's not around Kevin. Right. Her logic doesn't seem sound. But Lucy is awful and selfish, and she's like, if I can't have them, nobody can. (laughs) 
That's what I am applying to Robbie. (laughs) You know, like, if I can't have him, no no one should. So Robbie then goes to Kevin, and he's like, you, uh, um, the Rev said that you and Lucy can't, like, get in the way of my, of me being with Roxanne, so stop it. And Kevin very smartly goes, I'm not the one being in your way, neither is Lucy really, it's you. You're the one that's, like, not getting in touch with her. You're the one that's been afraid. Uh, this also leads to another conversation between Kevin and the Rev, being like, please stop telling Robbie that I'm the reason that he's not dating Roxanne. Robbie's the reason that he's not dating Roxanne. Um, and this is when you said Kevin and Roxanne have a phone call. Right. Um, so Kevin basically, like, tries to ask Roxanne out for Robbie, and Roxanne does not take very kindly to this. She's like, oh, what happened? Does, like, he, did he lose the ability to speak or whatever? Why can't he call me himself if he wants to ask me out? So she's, like, pretty pissed off at Robbie about this. Um, well, before she gets pissed off at Robbie, she thinks that Kevin's asking her out. Oh, yeah. Which, like, I understand why Lucy is so wary of Roxanne because, like, you know that he's in, like, what can be called a committed relationship with Lucy, and they are going to, they are planning to get married or planning to be engaged at some point. So why would you think the first thing that he is wanting to ask you is out, like, I don't know, that doesn't, and then she kept on going with it, too, and he's like, I don't want to ask you out. Uh, but yeah, it quickly t- turn like uh, takes a turn when she finds out it's not about him; it's about Robbie. So then, Roxy, Roxy, I'm gonna call her Roxy. Roxy, <laughs> Roxy. Let's go with it. <laughs> okay, Roxy and Robbie. <laughs> Roxy takes matters into her own hands and calls Lucy. Um, and I don't exactly know what happens in this conversation, other than at the end of it, Lucy's changed her mind and she's like, "I give Robbie my blessing to date Roxanne." Well, basically. What I said when I was watching this is that I agreed with Roxy <laughs> until she... Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I do remember this conversation. Basically, now. she was like, you have no right. Like, I've been trying to be nice to you. I, like, have been, I've been like actively trying to get on your good side. I've been nothing but, like, kind. But you are... St- like, why are you so... Like, why are you so insecure? Why are you so jealous? Blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, if she's ended that conversation there, she'd be fine. But then she's like, look, if you're going to interfere with me and Robbie, then I'm going to start interfering in your life, and you won't like that. And this is, I think, is supposed to scare Lucy, which it does. Yeah, it's scary. And then this leads to Robbie calling Roxanne, but then she hangs up on him. And then... We'll fast forward a little bit and gloss over context, but Roxanne is at the Camden house later on in the evening on duty. Um, in her, like, in her uniform. In her police uniform, and she finishes up her business, her official business there, and she runs out to the backyard where Robbie is, and she, like, attacks him. She, like, puts him in, like, a... She puts his arm behind his back, and she pushes him up against the house, and... It's a very sexual scene. And she's like, she needs a real man, and once he mans up, then then she like he can talk to her and that he she didn't appreciate the fact that they made out and then he like didn't talk to her for a month. Yeah. And then he she turns him around, pushes him against the wall again, and then kisses him and then just leaves him there. This was all away. on duty. Ste- stealing taxpayer money. And, like, not even on duty, like, oh, she stopped as she was patrolling the neighborhood. She was actively dealing with a situation. There were people in the police, in the police car, car yeah. waiting for her. So, yeah. Um, 
I'm assuming this is going to continue. Unprofessional. But it was a, like it was a, definitely a thing that I don't think could ever happen in real life because. And also, is it me or Roxanne seems to be like much older than Robbie? Like I just get that idea watching the show. Hmm. But I I don't know. She just strikes me as being like seeming older, which is fine, but. I could find the scene... She also seems, like, more mature than most of the people that she's dealing with. Yes. But she um, also feels... She also seems as crazy as most of the people she's dealing with. Yeah. Like... Like the thing she said to Lucy. Yeah. It was like, okay, I'm going to screw with your life now. And I think... So, I think I would find this believable, maybe, if she wasn't in uniform. But, like, I couldn't take it when I was watching that happen... <laughs> well, she was in uniform. Yeah, or? like I feel like I would have been like okay with it, and even like and maybe potentially enjoyed it if she was just doing it as a regular person, because it's like a nice role reversal of like you know what you know whatever tropes, gender roles, romance. Yeah, insert your opinions here, but <laughs> like the uniform just really ruined it. Um, there actually, yeah, this is like the second instance of Seventh Heaven like actively. No, not the second. Like, the third or fourth instance of, like, Roxanne and Kevin being bad police officers. Yeah. Um, so that's it, and that's where we're at for them. We will go to Ruthie next. Yeah. Um, so, so Ruthie kind of is the one who does all of the meddling in this episode and kind of get is the one directly interfering with everybody's lives or coming up with the ideas that the Rev gets, um, and having him execute them. So she's a little bit annoying in this episode. Um, but it's all, you can see it's because she wants the Rev to feel like useful. So it's out of like a good place, but she's like, it's still, she's still young. And like, it was a misguided attempt, I guess. Especially because the Rev throughout this episode is very, woe is me. Like, he's like, the neighborhood doesn't re- need me. The community doesn't need me. The church doesn't need me. And now my family doesn't need me. And he's like, I'm never, I'm not going to be the man I was before this heart surgery. And how he feels like every time Annie asks him to, like, for help with her stuff, he's like, she's like, no, he says, that's not what I want. I want to do my man stuff or my work, not your work. Um, which, I, I don't know, I didn't really like that, but whatever. Um, right, Ruthie feels... She's, like, coming from a good place, but as I say, the path to hell is paved with good, good intentions. intentions. So she gets called out for this by Kevin and Simon specifically, and Kevin's like, if you, got, if you want to help your father, come up with your own problems. So because Ruthie is a flawless human being, she has no problems. So she, come, she makes one up. She decides to invent a child who is not being fed and who is being abused. But she uses the name of a real classmate of hers. And she's telling the Rev that he can't do anything and that he just needs to give Ruthie some advice and that Ruthie will, like, help the child. But Ruthie should know better, <laughs> like... Right. And so the Rev... Like, she's... And, and she's not... We've already... It's been demonstrated, like, she's not stupid. Yeah. She's, she's, she's clearly... Pretty, the, she's really smart, yeah. The smartest person in that house. Um, potentially psychic, clairvoyant. <laughs> There's, you know, who knows? Um, so the Rev uses his own personal police officer in the form of Kevin, who uses his own personal police officer. Detective Michaels. <laughs> well, not, he doesn't yeah, I know, Roxanne. Uh, Roxy. Roxy. And, uh, Roxy ends up going to, this is Alice Brand. Um, Alice Brand, I want to say a couple of things first. Oh, She's played by Kay Panabaker, 
who is known from, she was on a bunch of Disney Channel, I forget which one, she has a sister who was also on Disney Channel stuff, so I don't... Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. so she was in Phil of the Future, Okay. she was in Read It and Weep, which is the DCOM, the Disney Channel original <laughs> movie, um, she was in the short-lived ABC family, ABC show, No Ordinary Family, and in the WB show, Summerland. Ah, oh, Summerland. Yeah. The other Panna Baker, I don't know her name, but she's currently in The Flash as Caitlin Snow. Hmm, wasn't it? And she was in, I think, Stuck in the Suburbs. That was the other Panna Baker. Yeah, what was her name? I feel like it's also with a K. Danielle. Danielle, no, it's not. <laughs> Danielle <laughs> Panna Baker. Danielle Panna Baker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So K blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, this is K Panna Baker, yeah. And she plays Alice Brand. Uh, Alice, Alice Brand's dad is played by Peter Gardner, Pete Gardner, who is most well-known as his role in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, I don't watch that show, but I feel like I should. <laughs> but he's like a bi-con, a bi-icon on that show. Oh, okay. He's the one that sings that song about being bi. I don't know what that is. Oh, it's like famous oh, on the okay. internet, apparently. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm famous on the internet, too. <laughs> the mo- we're famous on the <laughs> internet. Uh, and the mother is played by Aubrey, Audrey... Which one is it, Aubrey or Audrey? I didn't write it down, but I can't say the last name anyway, so I'm not going to try to. The mother... um, Oh, was this Wisniewski or something? Yes, that's it. And um, she isn't, like, on anything specifically well-known, but she's definitely, like, a background character or player in a lot of shows. She does a lot of voice acting, too. Um, Like, for... um, Like, different uh, cartoon TV shows, obviously. Um, so they are the family, the brands, and the brands are there with Roxy because Roxy was given information that they were abusive and neglecting their child when that's clearly not the case. Yeah. Uh, so we have a, a C. Ruthie's getting people in trouble with the law. You're right. Um, Ruthie apologizes to them and, um, Ruthie is like, oh, the reason I did this was because I was trying to help my dad. And that's when the... Oh, I was going to call them the Panabakers, <laughs> but they're not the Panabakers, so they're the brands. The brands, yeah. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's clearly a family issue, and it's not my family's issue, so bye. And they go to wait in Roxy's police car while she goes to make out with Robbie. Yeah, um, and this is when we learn that Ruthie's the one that's meddling, but Ruthie's meddling as Annie's right-hand woman. Yes, and so, so really it's Annie that started this all off. Yeah, it's Annie's fault. Um Annie yeah. is also super patronizing throughout the whole episode yeah. uh, to the Rev. Like, anytime he gives anyone, like, the smallest bit of advice, she's like, good job, Eric. Um, so she's not really helping matters. Yeah. Um, they have, like, a conversation at the end of the episode about where they're at and stuff and how she was just looking out for him and how he was, he might have needed it, but he should, he was pitying himself. And um, Anyway, enough of those people. We'll get to the person we like the least. <coughs> Lucy. So she was not the worst in this episode. No, she's actually pretty good. I think they're fine. We mentioned earlier that, or in like a, a past episode, that we don't think that she currently exhibits the characteristics of a good minister. But this episode showed us that she's getting there. Yeah. Um, so after her, like, besides all of her shit, shit with, like, Robbie and Roxy, um... I think she actually does better when it doesn't involve her. Yeah, Like, yeah, yeah. she's too, um, 
rash and, and emotional with things that are really close to her and with this very much outside of her sphere of of her circle and her world she was able to separate herself and actually like objectively give advice and That's a really good point. think of solutions yeah i agree um so i think that probably had to do with it um so she's out and about in the promenade and she runs into paul paul is not someone we've seen before but it is someone that lucy knows he is a person that works at pete's pizzeria and he and he has an intellectual disability um i don't know what they keep calling it in the show but a developmental disability is what they say oh okay no they were they were using something that's like a little dated um well, I, I heard that, um, that's what Lenny said, that's Paul's brother, but I didn't hear anything okay. else. Um, but yeah, he does, and he has found, um, this, what, I guess, like, performance group? Yeah, it's like a performing arts group for intellectually disabled people. It's a real thing. Yeah, the famous people players. Yeah. It's fa- it was founded by Diane Dupoy, who actually shows up in this episode playing herself. Yeah, and it's based in Toronto, I believe, so if you want to see... The famous people players. Look them up if you're ever in Toronto. They go all around <laughs> They go the on world. tour, though, yeah. yeah. And they cut, they, it's like explicitly a cast of um, people with developmental intellectual disabilities. And uh, it just gives them a chance to be seen and to be able to do things that they want to do in maybe a sphere of life where they might not be able to do to biases or just like traditional notions of like what performing arts are and entertainment exactly so he wants to quit it he quit his job because he wants to do like he wants to become a famous people player and he's recruited lucy to try to help talk to his brother and his sister-in-law lenny and marie um and convince them yeah because they're like basically his guardian and they don't think he can do it because, like, they're like, oh, he can hardly work it. You know, we we meet them, and Lucy tries to convince them, and they're like, he can hardly handle his job at Pete's. How is he going to go and be a performer, go be a puppeteer? Like, this is no future for him. Um, He needs to be with us because we need to take care of him. Um, And just kind of, like, totally underestimating any ability that um, Paul has. So... Lucy at first is just like, okay, like I have another idea, but I'm sorry I couldn't, you know, convince them now. So Lucy's grand idea is to, well, this is kind of like a big reveal at the end for us, for the viewer, viewer as well. But they sit um, Lenny and Marie down to watch a video of an actual performance of the famous people players. Um, Diane's there too. And yes, and Diane is there. And uh, at the end of it, they reveal that in the video that they had watched, because it's like kind of in the dark, they do like things with like glow, like light up, yeah, like glow stuff. So like it's like like negative space stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, So at the end of it, they reveal like, oh, actually, Paul was in that video as a performer, and he came and he performed last week, and uh, Lenny and Marie can't believe it. They're like, oh my god, you. Go. You went and took a, a bus by yourself to to an adjacent town, and you performed. How did you? So basically, he just like proves like, oh, I can actually do all of this stuff without you, um, and I don't need 
to be under like someone's constant supervision. So anyway, Paul gets his wish and Lenny and Marie relent and they're like, okay, yeah, you're going to be a famous people player. Um, Lenny Clark uh, is the actor that's playing Lenny and he is in Rescue Me and in the American remake of the great British show Sirens and among and many other things. I think he actually had his own show called Lenny for a bit, but it didn't last. Uh, so he's like someone who's big or, or like has a name in the entertainment industry. But yeah, it's a happy ending. So Lucy's first um, endeavor endeavor into like helping counseling, people yeah, was uh, was a uh, was a success. Um, and even uh, I think the best part was that they showed it as a failure at first, but showed that like she's still gonna to try again and see yeah. if she could help. Um, I do want to mention one thing about the storyline is that. Uh, the Rev for a hot second thinks that Lucy's brought this problem t- for him, but Lucy, but Lucy was specifically asked herself. So, yeah, um, yeah. that's really it for this episode. Yeah, I mean, it, what what are you gonna rate it? Um, I think this was just. I think I'm gonna give this a four. This one for me, I'm gonna give it a slit. Like I'm gonna give it a three. It just felt like it really dragged. I mean, we, we had some technical difficulties, so it literally did drag on longer than it needed to, but um, I am just uh, wasn't really into the whole... felt like very... I don't know. Whatever. I, I'm giving it a three. I think the issue is that we've, we're moving, moving farther and farther away. You mentioned this from, like, non-Camden. Where talk, we're... Yeah. So we're at the point now where you've got Kevin in the house... Ben was staying there for what was kind of like an indefinite period of time. Robbie's living in the house. So you've got, this is a thing that as in the later seasons, as the main Camdens get older and either wanted to be, didn't want to be on the show anymore or whatever, that you have more people living in the house that aren't related to the Camdens than actually are. So it's just like less... I don't know if you feel less invested, I feel like in the character dynamics, because there was something about how they built for the first like four or five seasons, this family dynamic between all of them. And then it almost immediately gets like pulled out from under you. And it's like, no, never mind. Here are all these new characters because Matt and Mary are leaving and like we... You know, we need to fill their spot, their spots, so... Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's exactly what you said, being invested. Because, like, um, even with a character like Robbie, who they let, like they brought back, and it was in and out, in and out for a while until he was finally there, you saw him grow. You Like, I, beca- I, I began to like him. I didn't really like him in the beginning, but now I really, really like him. But we're introduced to Cecilia, Ben, Kevin, and Rox- Roxy almost all at once, and we're meant to care about them. And they're not even done introducing people for this season. Wow. Who become, like, recurring characters that you're supposed to care about, so... And I don't... I mean, like, I already don't care about it when it's, like, Rev and Annie-centric. Mm-hmm. Like, when they're... And, yeah, and now it just feels like it's, like, more adult storylines when it's, like, I'd rather see, like... I don't know. Well, they kind of do correct that a little bit going forward by bringing in Cecilia and then, like, later on Martin and so... I Like, I think... I did enjoy this more because it seemed like a more traditional 7th Heaven episode, but at the same time, the, like, Roxy stuff, I didn't give a shit about. Like, an entire storyline all about Kevin and Ben. Like, these are people... Like, we know Ben is on his way out. Yeah. And he's not really going to be on his way back ever. So... It's just hard to care about them, especially when, you're right, they're trying to replace people like Matt and Mary, who we've... Grew up with. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you did. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess I've grown in the last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we always have a lot to say about the topic, and we love to hear what you're going to say, or if you have anything to say, and you can do that by reaching us uh, by email, campingcast at gmail.com, or message us on Instagram, or Twitter, Twitter, which is our handles are at CamdenCast Show, or you can leave a comment on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash CamdenCast. Or maybe you don't want to talk and you just want to listen. And if you want to do that, that's uh... soundcloud.com slash CamdenCast. You can listen to us on the Apple iTunes podcast app um, and on Stitcher and Pippa. Um, and I'm Erin. I'm Tanvi. This is CamdenCast. 